Her dog, I, we talked about this before we started recording, but her dog is literally like the kid from The Sixth Sense. Like, he knows everything that's wrong. Yeah. It's insane. I and maybe this... that's like shelter dog vibes or whatever, but Probably. he's like, no, 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 to this person, this person, this thing, this toy, this article in your house. Like, fuck off. It makes me so happy. He's like, <laughs> he's so scared. And that's like, I feed off of that too. I'm like, my dog is growling. Yeah. Something bad's happening. Right? Yeah. And it's making me think that like the spiritual world is a thing because like we'll be walking in our, in our apartment <laughs> complex and like wind will go by and nothing is around but he stops and he starts growling and I'm like, that was a ghost. Cool. Your dog <laughs> like, is making you question your spirituality. Yeah, my that's dog's awesome. doing a lot of things. <laughs> So my poor dog, I'll be getting home and I'm like, last night. He's like, mom, you have no idea how many ghosts I saw today. <laughs> yeah, like I've been awake this whole time. <laughs> oh my God. Do you think our dogs know? Like, I, I agree. Like if I'm ever like getting out of the shower or changing, I'm like, do you see my cellulite? Like, do you see right. what's happening right now? They stare hard. I like, know. Guy, like, do I look that good or do I look like that, that bad? <laughs> Okay, we're recording for reals. You guys, boom! We, I, both, yes. Randy, thank you so much. Thank you, Randy from Apple, Apple Care support or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. He didn't do anything. I did it, mm-hmm. but he was there along the way. So if you guys ever call Apple support and get Randy in whatever support you need, emotional, physical, computeral. He's there for you. He made me feel very relaxed. Like, this yes. is going to get solved. Just his soothing voice. Oh, yeah. FYI, we had computer troubles yet again. Oh, yeah. Lots of. Yeah. Um, but no. it's all good. Yes. Um, Randy. So, yeah, we're here. Yeah. So, uh, welcome. Welcome to Texas 1031, y'all. We are your hosts, Cassie and Henna. Uh, 1031, as you all know, is a police code for crime in progress. I'm like moving away from the mic to read. We still have lines, by the way, because we can't remember things. Um, But yeah, so it's police code for crime in progress. And as you can probably guess, we will discuss crimes and mainly murder that occur in Texas. And if you guys want to visit our website, which is Texas1031podcast.com, you'll find all the links to our social media and links to listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And as always, don't forget the name of our website and social media accounts have no dashes, no spaces, no capitalizations or numbers, just all spelled out. I should have told Randy what our podcast was. You should have. I, I, was, I didn't want to say it. No, me neither. That's I know. <laughs> Uh, and oh yeah my line uh, and if you guys are on iTunes please don't forget to rate review and subscribe so every episode oh my god episode <laughs> I tried to make it easier for her but she did it know, didn't work because it's, <laughs> it's me uh, but we're gonna bring you two murder cases so tonight we have one in Arlington and the other is in Baytown and we really hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode we worked really hard to get it up today yeah. and uh, thanks for listening god. y'all Hannah worked really hard I didn't do anything I literally typed why does garage band suck Mm -hmm. that's actually what I typed into well you didn't really type it that was the point where you were angrily mashing the keys that's true (laughs) yeah you're right yeah 
Um, well, if I, I need can, to adjust this shiz. If I can find what I'm go. supposed to be reading, that'd be cool. Every time, every time. I never can remember where. Who even goes first today? You are. You go first. Do I really? Yeah. I went last week. Well, mine is short and not so sweet. Mine is long and long. Okay, cool. That's good, though. It's long and salty. It's better. sounds gross. Nope. (laughs) She said short and sweet. (laughs) Long and salty. It's a a corn dog, you guys. It's a long pretzel stick. Not what you you. are thinking. Anyways, first things first, you guys. This is the last episode of 2017. Hey, oh my God, it is. Yeah, this is our 12th episode or like our 11th if you want to exclude the mini episode. But no, Adam is a cast member. We can keep it simple. Say it's our 12th because starting 2018, it'll be our 13th, which is super exciting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll be really happy, even if the internet and the country falls apart, if we can get to our 13th episode. Yes. And what I also noticed is that if we record again on a Wednesday, mm-hmm. or I guess premiere it on a Wednesday, or release it, whatever you want to call it, it'll be the 3rd of January, so 1-3, the 13th, like it's all Ooh, happening. Ooh, yeah. okay, perfect. Yeah. Let me go ahead and make sure. <laughs> we're close <laughs> that off. So, yeah, it's our Christmas episode. Um, yeah. Speaking of Christmas, um, I wanted to mention this because Cassie and I, we actually decided to socialize outside of our recording space, a.k.a. the tiny reject room in my mom's house. Um, and she had a really cool Krampus sweatshirt on. Mm. And I was super jealous because it was really neat because everyone Thank has you. those christmas sweatshirts that are like it's just some like gay home alone quote on there and i'm like yeah. come on like can we get more original yeah 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 so yeah i think i got it last year during black craft cults uh black friday sale mm. it was probably it was that's why i was pissed no it was last year oh. it was definitely because i wore it when i went to see red hot chili peppers and that was january so I don't even, I don't, oh, I don't care about that band. It was for my boyfriend. I really, like, I, I wore the sweatshirt and because it was like 30 or 40 degrees in San Antonio when we went to see them. Mm -hmm. And the tank top I had on underneath was fine, but only if I was like standing in a certain way. So like different folds of my body couldn't happen. So I kept it on the whole time and like, we're up in the nosebleeds. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know any of these words. Like it was... I could maybe like no, I can't even hum a tune. No, never mind. Do you have any recommendations this week, or (laughs) anything else that you wanted to pre-chat about? Oh yeah, um, what I kind of touched on earlier. So when I I my company is based out of Fort Worth. What we have to talk quietly? Yeah, I am yelling. No, I was too. It's fine. We were just really excited because the computer works. We were. This is built up anticipation. Um, but the company I work for is based out of Fort Worth. You know, we're a mid-sized brewery, and mid-sized is a very broad range. It's literally a GABF category, so mid-sized is fine. But what is G? Great American Beer Festival. Oh wow! Yeah, I always want to say Gab in my like because mm. it's you know okay yeah stupid I, I don't know it doesn't matter um no one's even listening uh-uh. so but when i went up to fort worth for our like yearly meeting um my awesome amazing co-workers were all very interested in the podcast and wanted to talk to me about it and it made me feel really cool and special that like they're listening to it and, and they awkward. enjoy it and it's like interesting to people and yeah yeah and i felt like some of these 
some of my coworkers um, or their family members, like they totally, they, all they do is watch true crime stuff and like they really immerse themselves in it. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. Like I research, <laughs> I research. You like it, I, but you don't yes, have time. I, I don't have time and I don't have energy and, and I'm you, lazy. I feel like you also don't want to like dwell. No, and I don't. I really yeah. don't because it's like you can... I'm the type of person that will take all of this stuff and just like it'll sit like with Wind River. That yes. movie oh sat with me for days and days yeah. and days and it really depressed me for a long time. So I that's what happened. I watched it. Update. I watched it. It was <sighs> amazing. So yeah. glad you watched it. I love to dwell though. I love dwelling mm-hmm. on that stuff. And in, if you like dwelling and it can way. not seep into your everyday life, like yeah. I have to be super happy and fun mm-hmm. all the fucking time every day. But anyways, so all my coworkers are cool and amazing. Like that was super sweet. Um, and then one of my coworkers is married to a cop. I'm not sure if he's like a detective. He's a cop. I don't know. Policeman. Um, and he mentioned <laughs> police that officer. police officer. Yes. Don't. Gender yeah. specific. Yes. Um, <laughs> He said that 1031 is not their local Fort Worth code for crime in progress. He said he thinks it's only for Houston. And I was like, oh, are we wrong? And yeah. he's like, no, 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 you're not wrong at all. It's just not our region. So it's... it's. You'd think it would be universal just to make it easy, but you I really guess not. Would. But then again, when you look at some of these crimes that happen over a few different counties and like mm-hmm. police de- uh, pro- departments. Sure. Okay, yeah, they don't communicate with each other. So mm-hmm. that would kind of make sense that they're like Need to on their them. own thing. Yeah. yeah. So 1031 for anyone who looked it up and just was like, well, they're wrong. They're stupid. It is we the police are, code for not. Houston. So I knew looking into it, you guys, okay. that it did stand for a couple different things, but I only looked in Texas and mm-hmm. it stood for similar things in Texas. So whatever no yeah and (laughs) the first search i did i was like is it okay so what regions Mm -hmm. of texas because i knew it was houston and the first search i did it was just exactly houston so i was like fine that's all i need to know i don't care i think (laughs) one of the other ones that i saw was like like in route with a suspect or something like they had detained a suspect or like that's some, still something cool. like that I don't it's know. still freaking yeah. cool like either way Whatever. like it's murdery and it's and, Halloween. He, and he wasn't he just mentioned that offhanded because i think yeah. he asked what the title was oh, okay and like someone i had to explain it to someone and so he just like mentioned that he wasn't like um you guys are wrong yeah. but Being if rude. anyone out there was like no one's even listening no, no one cares but we know that we're semi-wrong but also very <laughs> right <laughs> Um, I have a, what are yours? Uh, I have have several. Yay. So first I wanted to mention, we talked about it last week or I don't know when we talked about it. Uh, it was the social media kind of shout out that, or not shout out, I'm doing a social media shout out to the girl that, or lady that wrote us about Wind River and Ricky Lee Green. Yes. So, uh, one of our listeners that follows us at least on Instagram, because that's where she reached out to us, uh, wrote on the post that, uh, about Ricky Lee Green, the case that Cassie covered on episode five. Um, she said, thank you ladies so much for covering the story. This is how I happened upon your podcast. I was talking to my brother about this case because we have a cousin who had a baby with Tim Green, in parentheses, before he went to prison, Ricky Lee's younger brother. And actually, I read the paperback book, Blood Rush, back in the 90s. It's one of the very few books that I binge read, LOL. Love the podcast. Keep up the good work. So Cassie tried to write her back. She, I don't know, maybe she didn't want to talk about it any further, but (laughs) thank you, Michelle. We appreciate the cool and weird connection. Yes, thank you. Yeah. And you pointed out a (laughs) glaring. So, okay. So when I researched Ricky, and that was one of the first ones I researched for this podcast, Mm -hmm. and so I wasn't super 
you know, I, I didn't know that I should check all avenues and like cross-reference. And now I look at a bunch of different stuff and like Remember, I read like lazy. eight different articles. I'm very lazy. <laughs> and so I read one article um, that said he had a younger brother who mm-hmm. died at a young age. And though and then I searched for that younger brother's name with like obituary next to it to find out where and when he died. Yes, green's kind of common. So yeah. It's difficult. Someone with like a similar name, mm-hmm. uh, same name died in that general area around oh, the same time. Okay. And I didn't look at the year. So, okay. you just so figured. yeah. So I was super wrong. So he had a younger brother and I really wish I had known that. He had another younger brother. I guess, basically. Maybe one that died and maybe one that lived. Maybe. That's true. Or, I don't know. Because, yeah, because I barely knew his brother's name. I barely knew his parents' name. Like, there wasn't a lot of information, but that would be cool to delve into, like... I wonder what he went to prison for. Exactly. Tim? Like Tim Green? Like... And I wonder if he suffered the same abuse that Ricky did yeah. under his father and, like, all that. So Yeah, what if he went and... <laughs> Never mind. There's did all the awful things that Ricky yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's well, just, that's nuts, though. And, like, that's the example of, she's coughing and I'm I just burping. I just um, It's okay, we're both cute. Um, but that's the kind of, like, stuff that we really want. Like, even yeah. if you're not, like, hey, you guys did this wrong. Just, like, hey, I actually mm-hmm. know this person or I know a person who is, or I read something like this. Like, because we don't want to report, you know, wrong, misleading like, information. Totally yeah. Shit, yeah, yeah, and even minor things. Like, it's important mistake. to... Yeah. Going into the mind of a murderer or a serial killer. Yeah, you want to know their entire background. It would have been cool to add that. So thanks, Michelle. That's awesome. Um, Appreciate it. So not really a recommendation, but I told you when we were talking about the coworker situation. So she had her coworker situation of like loving true crime and the podcast stuff. And they're all amazing. <laughs> and I have some news slash information, interesting stuff that has come across my path. Yee. And I have pretty much found out in the last couple of weeks that basically like four people at my job have like a murder story slash death story. And one of them is extra amazing. I already told you about this one over text several weeks ago, but mm-hmm. um, I'm going to still retell it because it's awesome. Yes. Um, yeah. So first off, one day I end up walking in at the end of a conversation with these two guys I work with. Uh, and basically, long story short, they're talking about how this one guy was like on a dirt bike or like an ATV thing. And he thought that he saw like a dead dog in a pond a little ways in front of him. And uh, just like how, like, uh, my favorite murder says, you know, it's never a mannequin. <laughs> I was listening to that episode on the way over here. Yeah, that's really, titled that. Oh, my God. We can add, like, <laughs> it's never a dead dog. But no, in Houston, it probably is. Um, however, he kind of soon realized as he got closer that it was a person face down in the water. And he told me that before he saw that it was a person, he thought that the dog had like an orange or red collar on uh, its oh, neck. Wow. But when he got closer, he saw that, you know, obviously it was a person and that the orange and red stuff was like the worst sunburn that he had ever seen. And then he said he just like took off because he didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I was like, what the fuck? Why didn't you call the cops? Yeah. And he said, like, no, my friend ended up calling them because he had gone to, like, the same area, like, a day or two uh, after and saw, like, the same scene. So. Wow. Yeah. Stumbling on a body in the woods. My ultimate dream and nightmare in one. Yeah. Um, next mini episode, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. Then this is the great one. So the other guy in the conversation proceeded to tell me his murder story as well, uh, which is just beyond. Okay, 
So he said he used to deliver pizzas in Houston and he got sent out on this delivery to an apartment. Uh, but he said that nobody was answering the door or his phone calls, letting him know that uh, trying to he was letting them know that he was there. Um, <clears throat> and so he decided to just go up to the door one more time, see if anyone would answer. And he said it was already super creepy and there was definitely like a uh, bad smell coming from the apartment right next door. Uh, to the one that he was supposed to be delivering the pizza to. Mm -hmm. So he knocked again. Nobody answered. So he just like got the fuck out of there. He was like super skewed out. And he said just a few days later, he saw on the news that a girl had been killed in the apartment that he said had the smell coming from it. And then he says, yeah, these two guys killed her with a toilet seat and it was some kind of satanic sacrifice. And I literally lost my shit and started freaking out because I was like, oh, my God, this is Corey and Cervantes, like the girl's murder, like the girl whose murder I covered just like a few episodes ago. So it wasn't fully abandoned. It was. So I'll get to that. Holy God. I like couldn't believe it. I was first of all, I told him I was like, it was a toilet tank lid, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Not a toilet seat. And then second of all, I was like, didn't you not realize that the complex was abandoned? And I guess he said that, yeah, we found out later it was basically like a prank or something to get someone to maybe go over there and see if anyone would report it or something like that. Oh, my God. So I was pretty excited. It's like, how small of a world can it get? Seriously. It was so bizarre. I'm glad I walked into that conversation because I got a lot of info. Holy shit. Yeah. And you reminded me, because I was was sober when he mentioned this, but the Christmas party employee Christmas party was in full swing by the time he mentioned the second part, but my awesome coworker, um, first names are fine. We don't have, we're not going to get anyone killed. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if people want to be public. I don't know. Fuck it. Just give like an initial. It's fine. No, fuck you. I'm saying it, Jeff. (laughs) No, not fuck you. Fuck you, Jeff. But (laughs) Jeff's a pretty generic name. There's a lot of Jeffs. That's true. Um, he told me about this serial killer that I just remembered the name for and I wrote down because I'm going to do it. So I'm not going to say the name. Okay. He's based out of Texas. One of Jeff's very close friends grew up next to this serial killer when he was a man, an adult man, and she was on his list. <gasps> on his intended victims list. And Jeff contacted her and told her about the podcast. And she said that, yeah, she'd be okay with oh being interviewed. So I can't, I can't believe I didn't remember that until just now. Uh, yeah. So I, I'll cover this at some point and I'm keeping it. It's mine. Oh, no, that's fine. You have to tell me what it is like off recording. So oh, I, I don't pick it or oh, something absolutely. like that. Okay. And if you've already picked it, then no, you, you have. I don't have any like future. Okay. Whatever. I have a list of three no. so far that I'm kind of. I have a job now, so I don't have time to just like sit around and <laughs> read about murder all the time. Welcome to my life. But yeah, we'll do her, do him. Oh, geez. Both. And then I'll go through Jeff and contact her and set up something, even if it's just like a quick I can whatever. type a questionnaire out and no, she can type to, in. Like, it that. needs to be recorded for yeah. sure, but like, we can figure out how person. to um, do like Skype. Is she not um, voice here? calls no she's she lives in like the dallas area i believe oh well that's a quick little drive that's true I actually road ooh, trip I, well road i'm going trip. to dallas at the end of january so am i crazy are you really no oh but okay i am now <laughs> but uh, that's true yeah, that's though we so could crazy. we could like weekend trip it and that would be so much fun oh my god okay so this murder road trip i swear to god if this whole net neutrality thing blows up in our faces like it shouldn't happen for another this would be two years or so episode. but yeah this this would be great like mm-hmm. i want this thing to last for like fucking ever so <laughs> okay i have to like pause it because now i really, really want to know who this is 
I can't remember what we left it on. I don't know either. It's fine. <laughs> it's going to be a weird segue. But you mentioned the Facebook follower or the Instagram follower. Yeah. And uh, that jogged my memory. We have, remember when you mentioned our one listener in Seabrook? Yeah. That is a very sweet, oh. nice young lady named Crystal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And she's awesome. And she she requested a while ago that we try to get on some other podcast like pod bean or something thank you i was gonna say pod potato <laughs> i knew it was some Wrong kind of food vegetable. but pod bean and okay, i yeah. kept forgetting to bring it up to you so i just went back to find her name and i saw that comment where she was like try to get on pod bean okay so yeah. whoopsie but crystal will try to work on it if maybe i don't know how hard it, hannah I, does it, it, hannah handles everything i just it should be fine i just drink cider <laughs> i still have a couple more uh co-worker things please okay please okay cool so they're kind of short but um basically another guy uh told me just the other day that he once saw a lady in his neighborhood mowing her yard and he had seen her do it like a million times i guess they kind of lived in a smaller area of town and then he said that like all of a sudden he saw her just like fall over next to her lawnmower so it's not like a murder thing but it's a death thing yeah he went over to her and she literally just like died on her lawn oh my um, god was it heat stroke i know she was like 90 oh <laughs> which was so sad mom. right Poor thing. i know um but he was like it was still super creepy to like walk up on like a dead person yeah like, and see it happen but then he said he and his son were driving around one day and that he stops at a stop sign and watches these two cars just completely collide together and it was really really bad because um, one of the cars was like speeding through the stop sign so it was just really rough and that he said he got out to help them and uh that he believes that everyone in both cars had died oh. um, and that they didn't even find one of the guys for like 15 minutes because he had somehow like gotten shoved underneath um, the back seat or something oh terrible. Oh my God. Yeah. <clears throat> and then he said that after they removed all the people from this one car that there was like insane amounts of blood that had been pooled in the seats and that like people's heads had gone through windshields and shit. Like it immediately like reminded me of um, the scene in like the new Carrie where like she tosses that car oh, did you not see it no oh, it was really i wasn't good. sure if it was gonna no, it was ruin so the good. first carry okay no, no, okay. and then awesome. i'll watch it yeah anyway the girl's face goes through a windshield and it was good it reminded Ooh. me of that um but then last the only girl who participated in this story or oh. the only participant i guess um first of all epic news she told me she actually went to school with jennifer ertman and elizabeth pena <gasps> right which oh, like what no. the fuck she said oh. that she if you guys don't know this episode if you're like newer it's the second episode which is just with me sorry um no it she did a, she did a great job she'll never admit it but i i cried it's a very rough episode um yeah it's these girls who were like brutally killed and oh my god it's awful in this park here in houston um but she said she like lives in the area and she like can never walk or drive by without like saying a prayer or like getting reminded of how awful it was wow. so that's crazy in itself and yeah. then she decides to tell me a story of a guy i can't remember if she said she was there when it happened or if she just like knew people who were there but regardless she she couldn't remember his name um so if anyone listens to this and like knows who he is let us know because i kind of want to read more about it we tried to google it forever but couldn't find anything so um around like 1994 1995 there was a guy who was at a house party and he had taken some acid and basically um was having a bad trip and so he decided to go outside get some fresh air go on a little walk whatever 
and basically got lost. Oh, no. Due to it being like nighttime and obviously, you know, the bad trip. Done so, yeah, he ends <laughs> he ends up on the other side of town and doesn't really kind of realize that he's been walking that long or like oh, where he no. is. And he attempts to go inside this random house thinking it's he's back at the house party. And the homeowner, I guess, calls the police. Um, they try to arrest him, but he's like freaking out. Uh, because of, you know, obviously the effect of the acid, I guess. Um, but, like, he's not being violent necessarily, but they just won't let him explain even, like, if he could articulate anything. Um, but she said that they believe he probably was, you know, hallucinating all kinds of different things. And so the cops end up shooting him in the back and killing him. Which, first of all, in the back. Interesting. Right. Um, but, yeah, he didn't try to break in. He was just ringing the doorbell, banging on the door whatever um so i thought that was pretty crazy so wow that would be a really be interesting one to do yeah because that's that weird oh my god what kind yeah. of what caliber was acid was he taking I don't that's know. intense yeah. i mean i can imagine you you will absolutely walk forever and have no idea how far you've gone if you're like past the point of anxiety like and just totally taken by <laughs> by what's going mm-hmm. on I can I see know. walking I, forever. I haven't. I don't. I don't know. Don't do it. I don't like it. I, I like. Never. There are other hallucinogenics. I like. I don't. Yeah, he has a recommendation sh- list. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, um, don't do yeah. drugs. They're bad for you. Yes, everyone. The last thing that I'll mention because I had to. Um, I doubt that all. I don't think either of us will probably cover this case because it is pretty well known. And again, there are probably other podcasts that have already done it. Um, I believe Karen from My Favorite Murder did this case, and I think Generation Y did, but I can't remember for certain. But um, for some reason, though, I've watched this 48-hour special and listened, obviously, to podcast episodes on this, but I didn't recall it being in Texas for some reason. Um, But anyway, the 48-hour special was on again the other day, and the only reason why I bring this up is because last episode I spoke about Lois Gibson, the super rad forensic artist. Um, who I said had helped like the HPD or Houston Police Department solve like over 1,200 cases with her drawings and such. But she was the sketch artist in the case of Jennifer Shewitt, I believe is how you pronounce it, in Dickinson, which is like semi-close to Galveston. Um, She was the eight-year-old girl that was taken from her bedroom through a window. She was raped out in a field and had her throat slit, and she fucking survived okay i don't remember this oh my god at maybe, all oh man maybe they like briefly talked about it or something like that Holy but i crap. swear Eight? karen yeah she was like covered in fire ants like it was really really bad i remember fire ants yeah i remember fire okay. ants okay oh baby so yeah oh. she obviously you know couldn't speak afterwards for quite some time but she was able to you know communicate with like writing stuff down and whatnot and you can google the pictures of like her written descriptions of this guy and like what happened and they're absolutely crazy but um, my point is is that this 48 hours thing showed the interview with Lois and it was so freaking cool because she did the sketch for this girl and it was just kind of weird to have it like come full circle so anyway look into that case if you haven't heard of it and it's really sad in general but especially sad in the end so it's worth the uh, watch or read whatever anyway Um, but on to murder now that we've been recording for 30 minutes <laughs> um okay it's cassie's turn so this week. this week i so we wanted to kind of keep it with a christmas theme theme sounds too festive for <laughs> the type of stuff we report on but we're, we wanted it to yeah. yeah be christmas oriented um and i found a couple that would have been really good but 
one of them would have taken way too much research and the other ones were just kind of very remember she's lazy yeah they were just uninteresting (laughs) so and then i found this one and as i did it as i like researched more i was like well it's not closed yet there's you know we'll go into it but it's not wrapped up all nicely and neatly we don't have an ending to it yet and that usually makes me feel uncomfortable but i feel like this woman's story needs to be said because she she is every single one of us ever so we'll just like just people people and in the things she did and she was so smart so we'll just uh go right into the murder of april van cleave it's a good name. It is. It's really cute. Very I really powerful. enjoyed typing it. And it has an E at the end of the Van Cleave. I so enjoyed it's... typing it. <laughs> wow. So um, April Van Cleave was a 33-year-old female, obviously. Um, but she was a bright and kind woman. It was said that she helped people in any way that she could. And she loved her six-year-old daughter, Lily, dearly. Um, she often went out of her way sometimes to show kindness to others when they needed it. Uh, there was one, you know, she gave an elderly woman a ride to her home or something like that. She, she give, giving things that she doesn't have herself. Just she sounded like a very wonderful soul. I helped an old lady pump gas one time. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, you know. Well, she asked me, so I'm, like, I don't know if it counts. When I'm like standing in like grocery stores and liquor stores for work, like sometimes I will help people like, when they ask me. me. <laughs> yeah, but most of the time I'm just like, I don't work here. <laughs> I'm a bad person. I'm glad you're a good person. We have a nice balance here. I was frightened. Like, where's the man that's going to pop out and kill me? It's fine. Um, So April didn't really have a ton of money, um, but she worked very, very, really, very, very hard to provide for her daughter, Lily. Um, So she was doing everything she could. She had just gotten married in the summer of 2015 and was living a happy life. Up until that point, she had raised Lily as a single mother. So you imagine and the struggles that come with that even if you have you know of support yeah exactly it's it's tough so she was in a great place you know she strong great woman um she had decided that she was going to sell some jewelry to help pay for christmas presents for lily Mm. um and this is why she chose to sell a gold like necklace chain and a gold diamond ring, both of these 14 carats. Um, I don't know much about jewelry, but a couple of articles I read valued them at about $7,000. That was okay. the asking price. Okay. So she used the Five Mile app, um, which is based out of Dallas. This happened in Arlington. Um, she used the Five Mile app to connect to potential buyers, and she finally linked up with one and arranged to meet them at her local Target. Um, so on December 15th, 2016, She arranged to meet up with an interested buyer um, at a local Arlington Target store. Um, She went around 1130 a.m. or so with her husband, and they went inside the Target into the Starbucks. No one showed. Dang. Just like you said, she did everything right. She did everything right. Public place, lots of people around, you know, 11. If you've ever been to Target at 1130 a.m., it's popping. Yeah. Like, she picked a good spot, and she brought her husband. Mm -hmm. So they waited for a while. Um, No one showed, and they decided to leave. Her husband took her back to their apartments, um, the pavilion apartments in Arlington, right around noon, and he dropped her off and left to go to work. Mm That's when she was shot, um, robbed, 
and left for dead. So police, when police arrived at the scene, um, residents of the apartment complex said that they heard loud popping. They heard a gunshot. Um, a couple of them had looked out their windows and they noticed a larger man getting into a red vehicle and speeding away. Um, April's body was found with keys next to her her purse her jewelry all her money they were stolen um she died about an hour and a half later 1 33 p.m um at an arlington hospital in surgery so she was found alive you know she was shot so she did pass away um and this is when police started pursuing this as like a a priority case mm-hmm. because she did do everything correctly and this happened in a a nice area this wasn't something that was supposed to happen yeah um so the high-tech hunt began <laughs> um lieutenant christopher cook was interviewed and he said that they aggressively pursued the case um this led to the arrest on february 12th 2017 so that's just a little yeah. over two months later um because this happened December 15th on mm-hmm. um, okay I'm glad I said that <laughs> um so this led them to the arrest of Mario Hernan Lopez Gomez um right. he was an immigrant from Honduras which doesn't really matter but it, it is you know yeah. it's a thing um basically the police did I wrote down a plus police work they had surveillance video from the two suspects in target mm-hmm. um basically what these Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. There's two suspects. So Mario is one, and then there is another that we'll get to. Whatever. Um, (laughs) They were seen around the Target Starbucks area. Mm -hmm. So they watched April and her husband come in. They waited until they left, and then they followed them out of the store. They waited outside of the front of the store for a little while. Um, That's where a lot of the camera feed comes from. And then they get into a red vehicle, and they drive away, presumably to follow april and her husband um what police presume happened is they waited at the apartment complex for her husband to leave ambushed her shot her and robbed her when police found out about this facebook or or this um five mile or whatever the five mile thank you which i believe can be accessed through facebook one of those like log me in with facebook thing what can't so yeah exactly (laughs) that led them to a facebook account that had been since deactivated Uh, of course it had but the phone number was still they were able they got a search warrant and everything and they were able to extract the phone number they used gps technology and the coordinates to pinpoint that phone number at that target to pinpoint it at the apartment complex at the time of the murder, and to pinpoint it in Mansfield, Mansfield, where another woman called and said that she was robbed at gunpoint (sighs) by a man that fit the description and fit the photo uh, that was released from that video surveillance footage. Get a burner phone, dude. Oh, idiots. (laughs) Idiots, 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 scumbags. (laughs) So the police had this nice, neat little trail. This took months to do, of course, or uh, two months to do. but this also dinged them to apartment complex in Dallas, Texas. Mm. This GPS coordinates, like, it was picked up there a lot. So they were like, this is where this motherfucker lives. And they went to the uh, apartment complex and the management identified both suspects nice. using the photo. Um, so with that, they were able to follow the GPS trail to Houston, where they extracted and arrested uh, Mario Hernan Lopez Gomez. Um, 
So he is currently in custody. His bond is set as a, at a million dollars. After that, um, so four months after that happened, June's, oh my God, almost four months to the day. Four months and four days later, June 16th, 2017, the second suspect pictured in the surveillance camera was arrested. This is Alex Menor Diaz. Um, he does often go by other names according to Facebook, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So they weren't sure at the time of the article I read whether or not that was his true name, but that was yeah. what he was identified as. Um, he was arrested by officers assigned to the U.S. Marshal Service North Texas Fugitive Task Force, and he was extradited or whatever in Keller, Texas. Um, so they have both of these assholes in custody. <laughs> and really what we're waiting for is now the trial, you know, now mm-hmm. the sentencing, everything, and that will probably take years yeah. to happen. They're in custody. But I mean, oh, we need to keep up with it. We do, and we will, because this is... That's cool. Well, not cool, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, and I read um, the Arlington police, they were so vigilant with this case because this should not have happened. Right. April did everything you are supposed to do, everything my dad has ever told me to do if I have to sell something online. And Arlington police, um, they had noticed a spike in instances like this, people being murdered or people being robbed when going to sell something through Craigslist or whatever, mm-hmm. a meetup, that they had designated a couple of their police stations as safe zones. Wow. You can go there to meet up with people wow. too. And that made me think, and that's kind of one of the reasons I was like, all right, let's tell April's story because I'm sure Houston yeah. has that. I'm sure anywhere you are has that. If you are trying to sell something and it's not to someone you definitely yeah. know like facebook who cares like you can create right. fake profiles as we see here um you can probably contact your local police office non-emergency line please just to be like hey i'm gonna sell this thing to someone on craigslist can we meet yeah, at your station your like that's the safest thing in the world you're probably not more than like 10 miles away from a police station so do that for sure um so they had noticed that this had been happening and you know she didn't go to the police station to meet up with this person but like we said she did everything she should have done but she her husband was not named in any of these reports her daughter lily was um we'll put a picture up of april and lily they look identical. instagram they're so cute they're so cute yeah um her mother pauline morton was devastated by this. Um, She didn't learn about this incident until after April was already passed away. Um, She said that April's husband called her and had to repeat himself four times over because she just couldn't hear what he was saying. Um, So this happened 10 days before Christmas. I'm going to read, started to write it down, but it's, it's long and it's, it's worth reading. Um, What this poor woman said, it is so sad. Um, she, her mother said that, you know, when asked about how they're dealing with this about Christmas, she said, we just have to go through the motions, just make Lily happy. It's very, very difficult. I don't even feel like having Christmas. I don't have anything to celebrate. Oh my God, I'm about to cry. Why am I about to cry? Yeah, because I mean, every (sighs) year it's going to be a remembrance. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they said, um, I tell her mommy's an angel and she can talk to her anytime, but we don't get to see mommy anymore. It's very hard to tell that to a six-year-old. And it's this poor, sweet woman. She was trying to sell jewelry to buy presents for her baby. Like, and these fucking shithead assholes. Like, that just, it... We're definitely going to keep y'all up to date yeah. on this. Uh, I'm going to have like Google alerts for this stuff, I guess. <laughs> I think that's the thing. I don't sure. know. 
but I felt like it was just very important to talk about, especially in this season of giving and the season of scraping for money. Mm. You have to be so careful. And even when you think you're like, you never know when people are going to be shitty. Like you really never do. Mm -hmm. I had, I sold a couch once um, via the Facebook marketplace Mm -hmm. and I sold it to this very nice woman. And I had, we were moving into a storage unit at the time. So when she came to pick it up, my boyfriend was there. A couple of his friends were there. It was just because we were all moving. But that's why we did it there. Because mm-hmm. it was public. There were cameras. And she came armed with two other people. And it's like. That's funny. Y- yeah. yeah. Like you just, you need it's an like, entourage. you don't need to worry about me. Like, right. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm a, worrying about you. <laughs> I'm a small child. And she's like a nice lady. Yeah. So it was fine. But even being that cautious, like if someone has a gun and bad yeah, intentions. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like I, I could have robbed that woman for right. the $100 she was paying me for the couch. It's just. Did anything come of the woman that called the police that said that she had just been robbed? Is she okay? Or like what happened with that? You know, I didn't read that. Okay. I, I didn't read that. And I probably could uh, look into that and see. Well, I mean. I doubt anything. She really. identified these people as the suspects. Okay. So I'm sure that they're going to. They're, connect they, the two eventually mm-hmm. in these past six months i'm sure they've been working on like yeah. piecing together um different robberies that had happened around the area around because they you know that's that was in or was it mansfield mm-hmm. these two that's a dickheads lived in dallas away like yeah it's, it's not close so that's the i feel like that's the only thing they were kind of being smart with mm-hmm. maybe like traveling around a bit but if you use Facebook for anything, if you use your phone tra- for anything, <laughs> it's all trackable. I literally wrote down like IP address for like the five mile app or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. anything to link back. But then you said the, the phone number. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I don't. Are we in question, questions and theories? Oh, we are. Yeah. Because yeah, okay. there's there wasn't much on it yet because it is still a case that's kind but, of unfolding. Yeah. But like you said, it was important. But yeah. what happened to her is pretty black and white. Um, I guess. First of all, props to the cybercrime people. Seriously. Like, I know Good that work. that's always been an underrated field maybe mm-hmm. until now because mm-hmm. there's like, oh, the internet, like, who cares? Like, what are you guys going to do? And it's like, well, we're going to find these fucking right. murderers. That's <laughs> yeah, what we're going to do. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember reading, or not reading, sorry, watching some whatever about a guy who had kidnapped a girl from Target. He literally had stalked her around. And there's video footage of him waiting at the exit, putting on gloves. Did you watch this too? Uh-huh. She's like shaking and pointing her finger. Yep. I don't remember exactly what it was, if she survived or anything, but I think she he did. had been like, think- he had previously raped people and like it clearly showed him putting on gloves and following her out of this bitch. And it was just like, how more premeditated can you get? Mm-hmm. And he obviously got caught. I don't know. I cannot remember for the life of me who it was, if she survived, mm-hmm. whatever. And that's my fault. But it stuck out to me of like it doesn't matter where you are you need to know your surroundings oh yeah and people are looking at you in stores whether yeah. you are like oh, i'm in public or not like again april did everything she could everything. within her means because mm-hmm. who thinks someone's gonna follow them back to their home i'm home but like again like i don't know i carry something in my hand when i walk to my car regardless of what time of day it is because of that specific guy with the gloves yeah yeah <laughs> like no and it's it's fucking nuts like my boy I'll, I'll tell my boyfriend all the time when i've gotten like weird bad vibes from people or you know just different situations and he's usually like he'll, he'll reciprocate well yeah and he'll kind of shut it down a little like oh, okay, you're okay. overreacting okay but it's good that you're super vigilant and watching mm-hmm. and he's like you maybe read too much true crime stuff but he, at the same time he's like 
it can't keep hurt. keep yeah. keep watching out like this because yeah. it really is like who cares if you're stupid who cares if you make a fool out of yourself mm-hmm. who cares if it's like it gives you anxiety to ask a security guard to walk you to your car like just do it be if, yeah if you get yeah. any sort of vibe or and i never thought to like always try to walk under a street lamp or always mm-hmm. park my car under a street lamp if it's going to get dark by the time I like I never think of those things and so now I'm trying to make a conscious effort to until it's just second nature. Mm-hmm. Um do you have anything else to say? Like I mean I hope that this trial happens soon. I mean yeah. it's it's literally been over a year now. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. And this family needs I mean, I can't imagine the pain they're going through. Like, Christmas is a hard enough time if you suffer from any loss, especially mm-hmm. at the hands of a murderer while you're, like, I mean, oh, I do have something to add. Um, I saw, I was looking up pictures of April, and one of the pictures, it was, like, you know, from GoFundMe. And so mm-hmm. I looked up the GoFundMe oh, yeah, yeah. page. The GoFundMe page is still active. We will share it on Facebook. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't have a lot of money. I'm gonna like contribute a little bit to it. Um, what I can, but it's still active. They made it for the funeral (laughs) expenses. Um, they've raised 9,000 so far. They had upped the original like cap amount, I guess, to Mm -hmm. 10,000 because they added on like, okay, let's help Lily. Let's help the baby get on her feet and stuff. Oh, funerals are, oh my God, it's insane. Like when my brother passed away, people raised, so much money for us and it was so nice and it still didn't cover everything and it's just like how it's robbery but yeah. so death this is, is robbery is, death is wrong <laughs> in many ways yeah, right. um so that's still active we'll share it on the facebook page mm-hmm. um we can maybe try to put the link on instagram i yeah. don't know the rules sure. on that but if you want to contribute and you're able to that'd be cool because this was a very recent thing and this you know probably now seven-year-old little girl Mm -hmm. has to grow up without her mom and that sucks it really sucks don't steal or shoot people is our message today and like god man 2015 amazon is still like a big thing just (laughs) go door to door and pick off all of the packages that people have waiting for no, them that they boarded for Christmas. And don't do that. Don't do anything. But like, why do you have to kill somebody? I know. $7,000 for this woman and her child and her husband's life. Like, well, you know what? They're paying for it. I don't know. It's not worth. I hope so. That, that poor lady, like April is, I don't know. It's just yeah. tragic, you know? No. I don't know. It's really yeah. weird. The correlation, like I said earlier, of yours versus mine, even though they're so different. Yeah. It's. There's money and mm-hmm. greed and drugs and all that stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Christmas. How everything Maybe correlates. re brings the worst out of us. Yeah. Maybe. <clears throat> you know, it used to be all about, I mean, listen to the Christmas carols. It was, it's the holiday season mm-hmm. and carefree and presents and bullshit. But now yep. it's like, I got to get to Target now. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> to kill someone <laughs> or whatever. Anyway. Ugh. Well, um, so that's yeah. yeah, that's April, April Van Cleve's story. Best name that we've had so far, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Rest of- in peace. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I just I feel so bad for mm-hmm. her family. Um, speaking of names, my murder case has a lot of forensic files. Yes. yes! Thank you so much. I need to stop saying thank you so much. I feel like I say that too much. I say absolutely. Just we. <laughs> Fucking catch we have our phrases. terms, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um. So mine takes place in Baytown. Are we ready to segue? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm ready. All right, cool. Good to go. Uh. Yeah. Mine takes place in Baytown, which is kind of south of Houston, very close, maybe like 30 minutes or so. 
I've been there. It's not anything to write home about, but it's also like evidently they filmed like a RoboCop movie there or I'm probably <laughs> getting that totally wrong. Wait, what's RoboCop? Is that Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, that's Terminator. Oh. And I know that because I actually like Terminator, mm-hmm. surprisingly. All right. So Jose Rios or yeah, that's Jose. Sorry. I thought I had the name wrong. <laughs> I literally thought I copied and pasted wrong. Okay, so Jose Rios and his pregnant wife, Imelda. Don't worry. It's okay. I like that name, though. Imelda? I-M-E-L-D-A? Imelda? Yeah, because I'm sure you're saying it very white. I'm yeah. Sure it's prettier. Right. And, <laughs> God, sorry. All right, so don't, don't be sad because it's not them. Uh, they found the bodies of his brother, Roberto Rios. Forensic files mm-hmm. and his children, Victor, who was 11, and Maria, who was 10, um, when they took Christmas gifts to the family's home in Baytown on the evening of December 24th, 1993. When the couple found Roberto, his arms and torso had been duct taped to a chair. He had been severely beaten with a pair of bolt cutters, tortured with a pair of cutting shears, shot twice in the head, and stabbed in the neck with a steak knife. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I'll write things instead of... Yeah. Um, not good news, but semi-good news. The t- children were not tortured as severely. They were uh, laying on the floor side by side in a bedroom and had been shot in the head through a single pillow covering their faces. Two weeks later, Tom Varighese, um, he is a 44-year-old gas station clerk who worked two convenience store jobs to support his wife and four children. He was shot six times. Uh, so we have like a Christmas Eve and a New Year's ish murder happening. Yeah. So authorities said he was found lying in a pool of blood, his hands so uh, symbolically wrapped and entangled in a strand of Christmas tree lights. I know, right? This could be a movie. Um, <laughs> in addition, his skull was crushed with an unknown blunt object. Object, wow, blunt object, uh, an injury that itself would have been sufficient enough to cause death, as well as multiple lacerations to his face and forehead. And about two grand was stolen from the store's cash drawer slash safe situation. Um, police would find two $20 bills on the floor under the register and eight shell casings were found scattered around the store. Uh, interestingly enough, the bullets found in Tom were from two different guns, one a nine millimeter and the other was a from a revolver from uh, a gun basically similar to the one they kept under the cash register. I wasn't really certain if it was that gun or a different one. It wasn't really explained. Um the victim's nephew said that the store had pre- had previously been robbed and, quote, the owner had ordered bulletproof glass, but it obviously hadn't been installed. Uh. I know. So these two cases, they go unsolved for almost two years until a random arrest of a man, Joseph Jones, forensic files, mm-hmm. on a drug charge. He kind of spills the beans about his two friends, both African-American males, Shannon Thomas and Keith Clay. I would say forensic files here, but just like last week with Cassie's murder victim, the letters are, yeah, Uh they're incorrect. So that's annoying. Um, So Roberto Rios was a small time drug dealer in Baytown and had once been Shannon's go to guy, I guess, if you will. Um, At first, there are two versions of the story. Um, 
One is that he and Keith were just going to buy some marijuana and cocaine from Roberto, but then decided that he probably had some money in the house. And so they decided to rob him. And then the other is that it wasn't a last minute decision, but rather premeditated. So they took he and his family captive and robbed the home, killing all three of them in the process that Christmas Eve afternoon. And in addition to Joseph Jones's account, a postal worker and friend of the Rios's family testified that they had seen a beige or white car in front of the house that day. And not surprisingly, Keith Clay owned a white Cadillac with tinted windows, which he reported stolen after the murders. Mm-hmm. Big surprise. Yeah. So the two men were soon arrested and different stories were given about both of the crimes. So during their questioning, they both admitted to being in the Rios home on on Christmas Eve, but each claimed that the other was the primary killer. So Keith claims, right? We were both there then. <laughs> uh, Keith claims Shannon pulled the trigger on all three of the victims while he only helped out. Then with the murder of Tom Varghese, when it gets brought up, Shannon claims that Keith committed the murder of poor Tom while he waited in the getaway car mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. Right. So Keith said on the night of the gas station murder, he Shannon and another man, Ernest King, had been cruising around Baytown en route to his new apartment. Uh, They stopped at the Airwood Grocery on a somewhat kind of like isolated road called Park Street. uh, Yeah, called Park Street to buy cigarettes. Keith said he waited alone in the car as the other men went inside. Uh, He claims that uh, when he was in the vehicle, he was parked on the side of the building and that the stereo was he had it like really high volume, so he wasn't really able to see or hear what occurred inside the store. He also claimed to just be an innocent bystander with no knowledge of the robbery, but he was identified by Ernest King, the other man, and he was in possession of the murder weapon. Huh. So on the flip side, Ernest, though, said that Keith did remain in the car, as he claimed. But after Ernest bought the cigarettes, because initially they stopped there to let Ernest go buy cigarettes, right? So he said that after they were in, after he was in there for a minute, he said that Keith actually entered the store as he was exiting. And he saw that uh, as he walked away from the store, he heard gunshots and he saw Keith shooting the clerk. Um, and then uh, let, walked out of the store with a cigar box filled with money. And again, Shannon just claims to be the getaway driver in that situation when Shannon claims to be the getaway driver. Yeah, exactly. Um, So in regards to the Rios family murder, after hours of questioning uh, the back and forth like motive of who did what, uh, it would finally be resolved. They would admit to the police that they came to the home looking to take Roberto for everything he had and the children were just executed to eliminate witnesses. So on to the trials. (laughs) Uh, Shannon's trial, uh, he had previously um, had criminal convictions to his name. He was on probation for delivery of a controlled substance and had served time at this like Harris County boot camp thing. Weirdly enough, I like heard this on the radio or a podcast, something like that. And I was like, I need to read more about this because why is that a thing? Yeah, that sounds like like the place that Shia LaBeouf gets into in holes. Mm hmm. Yeah. Great movie. Never read the book. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, Shannon was only 23 years old at the time. Whoa. The that's younger right. than me. That's right. young. Yeah. Um, in regards to Shannon and the Rios murders, there was actually no physical evidence in the case. 
So Shannon was accused. <laughs> yes, exactly. Shannon was accused solely on the basis of circumstantial evidence. Um, one piece of information on which his conviction was based was the fact that he possessed a gun similar to the murder weapon. This is disturbing because if this is in fact true, then they could be taking the word of an arrested drug addict who maybe gave them information to escape a, escape a drug charge. Mm-hmm. And like this was their supposed friend also. Um, was, was the gun legally, was he legally an owner or? I'm not sure. So okay. Okay. I didn't find that information because I wondered that too if like, did he own it like 10 years ago or right. was it his father's or did he whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? But I couldn't find anything about that. So okay. I, yeah. Uh, this is when it gets kind of weird. So Shannon, however, did, did give the police two written statements. In the first one, he acknowledged purchasing narcotics from Roberto that day, but denied any knowledge of the killings. In his second statement, he asserted that Keith had acted alone in the killing of the Rios family after he had left the residence with the purchased drugs. Could be true, since people saw Keith's car out in front that day. Mm-hmm. But I immediately was like, dude, you gave your statement. Like, why give a second implicating anything, especially if you really didn't have anything to do with it? But um, then I thought, like, well, based on the information I just said about, like, the drug addict person, like, the cops are, you know, he gives information of just, like, here, here's some information to, like, get me off the hook. You know, the cops are like, oh, we have a lead now. Yeah. So let's go track it down. So maybe his second statement of, like, I was there, but I wasn't. Is but the my more friend true did it. one? Well, I don't know. I feel like it was almost borderline forced. Okay, you know what okay. I mean? Because the yeah. cops are like, "We have a lead. Let's let's nail him." You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's just me thinking too far into it. But no, no. Um, I don't know. Maybe he wanted to cover his friend and really didn't take part in the murder. But I feel like in the interrogations, maybe he just cracked and was like, "Get me out of here! I'll tell you whatever." Mm-hmm. I don't know. So Shannon's defense claimed that although the postal worker said that he saw two men at the Rios' home that day of the murders, it was only under hypnosis. The (laughs) postal worker? Yes. They hypnotized a regular human? Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah. That he identified Shannon as one of the men, not Keith. I'm sorry. What year is this? 93. Right. So, yeah. He was only identified by a hypnotized postal worker. Uh, Shannon continued to contend that he was completely innocent of the murders and the evidence evidence against him was completely circumstantial. Despite his um, and his attorney's efforts, Shannon was convicted in November of 1996 and sentenced to death. I couldn't find much else about Shannon. I he didn't. I did see that he didn't get past like eighth or ninth grade. Uh, surprisingly, surprisingly more was written about Keith, um, which is kind of because he becomes kind of this religious zealot sort of in prison. Um, but Shannon seemed very reserved and really didn't want to speak to any press. Um, no member of the Rios's family witnessed his execution. Shannon did, however, request that his sister and a friend witness for him. So his sister, Gwendolyn Thomas, did attend and she is quoted to be seen sobbing quietly in the front corner of the witness room close to the viewing glass. Um, Shannon declined a final meal, which I think attests even more to his, you know, reserved character and his sadness about this conviction and sentencing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, his last words. I want you to be strong and get through this time. Do not fall back. Keep going forward. Don't let this hinder you. Let everybody know I love them. 
this is kind of hard to put words together. I am nervous and it is hard to put my thoughts together. Sometimes you don't know what to say. I hope these words give you comfort. Let everybody know I love them and love is unconditional as mama always told us. I may be gone in flesh, but I am always with you in spirit. He was killed, like I said, November 16th, or maybe not, like I said, he was convicted um, and now he was killed on November 16th, 2005 by lethal injection in Huntsville, Texas. So prosecutor Marie Munier, forensic files, Mm -hmm. (laughs) remembers Shannon's trial as being, quote, very emotional. This was just horrible. You have to. You have this torture and violent killing of this man in this house and to throw in that it happened on Christmas Eve. That's just the worst kind of thing. So that was it on Shannon. Uh, so on to Keith. Uh, he had a prior conviction for possession of cocaine. He received two year a two-year prison sentence in uh, August of 1990. He was only 25 at the time of the Rios murder. Uh, so Keith's defense attorney, Jerome Godinich, forensic files, said that he was exploring other appeal options. He was seeking prison records regarding his client's two-year sentence for the cocaine offense, uh, hoping they would support a case that Keith is mentally retarded. Oh, okay. That was verbatim. The prosecutor in Keith's trial for Tom's murder said he was, quote, struck by the cavalier nature of the crime. They were out looking for trouble, and the life of this individual meant nothing to them. There was no pause to think about it. Keith claimed he was unaware that any murders of the Rios family or at the gas station had occurred until he was arrested in December 1995. Um, He is quoted saying, I never set foot in that house in regards to the Rios family. But in official documents, prosecutors said Keith signed a confession admitting that he had, quote, roughed up. Roberto prior to his murder which obviously means he was in the house unless you like did it on the lawn and there's some legal loophole which Mm -hmm. whatever Uh, he was eventually charged with the murders of the Rios family but wasn't tried however he was tried and convicted of the murder of Tom Verghese and Keith was executed by lethal injection on March 20th 2003 in Huntsville Texas so they were both supposedly involved with both murders and one was tried and convicted for one and one was tried and convicted for the other uh keith is quoted saying everybody has an execution date no matter who you are you can face it with uncertainty or face it with hope i have a sense of hope keith spent more than five years on death row and he said he opposes the death penalty well obviously uh quote with help an individual can change on to a lighter note you want to hear keith's last meal of course So four pieces of fried chicken, mashed potatoes, two pints of ice cream, bacon cheeseburger, and two vanilla Cokes. Pretty solid. Yeah. He could, he, he could have, I would have thrown in more different types of potatoes, probably some queso and chips. Like you're in Texas. So why do you not want to go out with some queso or salsa? Okay. This brings me to a really good point because I was like, poor medical examiner having to do these autopsies because I don't know, maybe autopsies aren't really required, but like. For governmental reasons, because it is an inmate, maybe. I don't know the yeah. procedural aspect on that. But I decided to look up when Texas stopped doing last meal requests because I know that's a thing. Oh, yeah. damn it. I know, right? Why am I sad about that? <laughs> I don't know. But it's like... Because we want to read about him. I don't know. It's still a human. So just give him some know. fucking fried chicken. I don't know. So Texas stopped serving so-called last meals to death row inmates in September of 2011. Whoa. After a state lawmaker complained about an inmate request he considered excessive. 
So the issue began when Lawrence Brewer, 44, a convicted murderer and self-described white supremacist. Ugh, you don't get a last meal. Requested a last meal that included. Get ready. Two chicken fried steaks with gravy and sliced onions, a triple patty bacon cheeseburger, a cheese omelet with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, and bell peppers and jalapenos, a bowl of fried okra with ketchup, one pound of barbecue meat with a half a loaf of white bread, three fajitas, random, a meat lover's pizza, one pint of bluebell ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts, and three root beers. Girl, you're not going to wash all that down with three root beers, but whatever. No, no, no. So, interestingly enough, Brewer had been condemned to die for the 1998 dragging death of James Byrd Jr. I can't do that one. I cannot do that. I cannot handle it. No. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck that guy. Okay. I hope that they were like, that's excessive. You just don't get anything. This is why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, okay, this guy was a big deal in the murder community, if you will. Yeah. So, anyway, the... uh, uh, guy who kind of signed off on it, he said, he's a bad person who I don't believe the state should be giving special conditions, yada, yada, yada. So basically, it's done because of killing James Bird Jr. So you can thank him. Okay. So I take back my just give them some fried chicken right. comment. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, that's that's me as a free person. Oh. Just kind of like, what would I pick as my last meal? But no. Yeah. I skipped the best part. I'm an Ooh. idiot. I literally skimmed the best part. More food? No. Oh. So the meal was prepared. Oh, my God. I I can't believe I almost left this out. <laughs> the meal was prepared at the prison kitchen in Huntsville where uh, he was being held and served shortly before he was executed. However, he decided to prove a point and chose not to eat it. That's why they took it all away. <laughs> I know. It's good, right? Yeah. How do you have all that food put in front of you? I like, know, like and just not take a bite out of it. I know, like, I know, fuck I know. your principles. You're about to die. All your principles don't matter because you're a white supremacist. Right. No. So you're the scum of the earth anyway. So, ugh. ugh anyway. Ugh. <laughs> Back to Keith. Um, his last words. I would like to say first and foremost to the Lord Almighty or Lord God Almighty that I am sorry and forgive me of every single solitary sin I have committed these 35 years. I have lived upon this earth to the Varghese family. <laughs> sorry. I would ask that you forgive me because I know you have suffered a great loss and I am truly, truly sorry. I know what you have suffered, but please grant me your forgiveness. I am truly sorry (laughs) again. And there's not a day that I have not prayed for you. And to my mom, I love you. I'm going to see the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Let everyone know that I love them. This is not goodbye. I will see you later. A quote from a Baytown detective at the scene of the Rios home. I guess I maybe should have put this with the Shannon stuff, but I still think it's important. Um, quote, when you're at a murder scene looking at dead kids and there's Christmas presents around and you look at the TV and It's a Wonderful Life is playing, it took me five years before I could watch that movie again. Yeah. Like, yeesh. Um, so a little bit about the victims. Uh, Tom is his middle name. His first name is something I cannot pronounce. It's Tom. His middle name's Thomas, but he went by Tom. So Tom's cousin said that um, Tom and his family had immigrated from India to join their relatives in the Houston area. Quote, he had been nine days short of being here a full year. Oh. He was a very God-fearing person. He was very much a family man. He worked hard to give uh, to give his best. He was, however, imposing. He had a beard, and he didn't have the prettiest face, but when he smiled, you'd feel the love of a human being. He was a very endearing person. Like, 
Ugh. Mm. Yeah. Um, I honestly couldn't find anything of substance or at least redeeming about Roberto Rios or his children, which is super unfortunate. But before we get to the questions and theories, I do want to mention one thing because it did bug me specifically about the Roberto Rios stuff. Um, I was listening to the newest four-part series from True Crime Garage, as usual. I, I almost started listening to that. Okay, I listened to the True East Murders and oh, I was okay. like, okay. I couldn't get into the True East Murders. Oh, man. I have it was so okay. many thoughts about okay. that. <laughs> uh, but this is pretty good. So they're covering the murder of Eliza or Eliza Sherman. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. But they play a clip. It really has nothing to do with her murder per se. But um, they play a clip of a news broadcast uh, discussing her death. And the lady says she was a local resident and a mother or something to that effect. And also a nurse at a Cleveland uh, clinic or something. It's not verbatim. Um, My point is, is that I love how if you have an occupation with a positive semblance behind it, it's like they are more... I don't know, like they're more likely to list it like in your obituary or like in this news clip. Yeah. And it gives you more of a reason to not have been killed or something. Yep. Um, I don't know. I feel like I am like reading way too far into this, but it really irked me because Roberto Rios like was a drug dealer. OK. And he was receiving government assistance. And from what I read, didn't see if he had another job. So like, why didn't they put that in the news? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, it, I don't know. And it's, and you know, if he was, if he was de- selling pot. Right. Pot will be legal federally within the next like five yeah. years. It's just going to happen because it's, it's medicine, whatever. So he's a pot dealer. That's mm-hmm. a nonviolent offense. That's a nonviolent narcotic, you know? So it's like, that's not a shameful thing. But if you put any sort, like if you word it in any way, there's going to be a good half of the people that read that report or hear it, and they're just going to write him off as right. like a drug dealer and his kids like mm-hmm. living in squalor or whatever. And right. it's like that's not that's not always the case. No, if it if it was heroin or meth, yes, I that's literally the case. wrote down the same thing. Yeah. So I was like, what if she worked at the Gap? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, yeah. would they put that in there? Because right, like retail worker or blah blah. blah. Right, and it's almost but like the wouldn't. sex worker prostitute thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it just it There's really matters what you how you were these things because a life is a life like you shouldn't uh-huh. be you, just you because of it down no everyone who's killed deserves some recognition in some shape or form so whether it's an obituary or a headstone or a news article or a fucking facebook post like we shouldn't pick and choose whose death we see as more tragic yeah and is more deserving of a news story because of you know skin color or neighborhood or sex or you know occupation um i don't know yeah, and that's why I think so many people can live in a, a pleasant, like, ignorant bubble. Um, mm-hmm. And just ignorant because things, if you don't seek certain things out, they're not going to be reported on. Right. So you don't know really how terrible the world is, how terrible it is for someone standing right next to you that looks different or mm-hmm. that is in a different class or whatever. Like, you just, you can be blissfully ignorant to that because media will report on it if it's a white White female they'll report on it if it's a rich guy they'll report on it uh it just it really it sucks like it doesn't matter if you're a pot dealer it doesn't matter if you have a cocaine offense it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if like you work at a gas station or a convenience store like your life matters 
Yeah. If you, I don't know, maybe if you're like a heroin or meth dealer, like you kind of matter a little less because you're shitty for selling people. That, that. Literally, that's what I put. I was like, but- even off on the flip side, like Roberto was like a small time drug dealer. Okay. But if you tell me he was a serial rapist or he molested his kids, etc. But then you also say he's a doctor. You know that shit's going to be in the news. So yeah. it's like. It's like they're saying that people who are rich and smart, like you said, can't do anything bad. Like, sure, he was a doctor just because he was killed and he was a doctor, but he also did terrible things. So, like, why does it matter any more so? Right. I guess than is my this point. Per- yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I mean, it goes back into some of the, like, like Dylan Roof, you know, the guy, the fuck ass kid who shot up that Alabama church. Okay. I think that I think his name was Dylan Roof. Whatever it was, like when a white guy shoots mm-hmm. up and murders people, they are a loner. They're not yeah. a terrorist. They are domestic terrorists, right. but it's they're shrouded as loner if they're white males. Because the news sensationalizes all that stuff, and it's yeah. like, and it's it's not okay because I then just, you look at things like people look at them through the filter right. of whatever they've read. And that's always how it's going to be. Because yeah. Your occupation shouldn't have anything to do with your character or your actions. Nope. Because what are we? Like, we we have a true crime podcast, so yeah. maybe we were out looking for it if something bad yeah, happens to exactly. us. You know? And yeah. that's they that could easily be spun, mm-hmm. and it's just... But like you said, would I choose having a meth dealer and whatever not being killed over, like, my mother? No. But you see what I'm saying is that yes. just because he was a meth dealer doesn't mean he doesn't have kids and a family and a history. Yes. If you're going to list the positive, if you will, occupations, list the negatives. Yeah. List all of them. Or yeah. don't list them at all because it's really unfair. Yes. Because that person had a family. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he does. But you don't know because you don't give a fucking shit. You're reporting the news. Yeah. I don't think the occupation should matter whatsoever. Mm. I think um, it just like puts a 33-year-old Arlington's son was murdered. You know, yeah. like you, you need to humanize them. Because by putting their occupation on no matter what it mm-hmm. is, that dehumanizes it. Yeah. And it can dehumanize it in a way that uplifts them or like, like right. upward mobilizes them or downward. Because and, like in your situation, if they just said, you know, 33-year-old mother in Arlington was killed or 33-year-old woman in Arlington was killed, there's a difference. Yeah. Woman versus mother, you immediately have different feelings towards yep. that. And that's why, you know, journalists and media, they do mm-hmm. great jobs. They absolutely yeah. do in some cases. They and in some cases, they don't. Like, you know, so it's... <laughs> Yeah. But they do, they, they pick words very carefully mm-hmm. because they want to evoke a certain emotion. Yeah. They know and, what sells, I yeah. guess. And it should just be like, and fuck, man, like a, 80% probably, like this is my scientific percentage, <laughs> but uh, so many murders and crimes just aren't really reported on because they're not interesting, but they're still happening. And so it's like, uh, everything no. sucks. Houston's <laughs> the worst. There's just too much happening. Yeah. Anyway. I have a lot of questions about this. Yes, please go. Okay, so... We might overlap on some of our stuff, so that's Yeah, because I have a lot, like, it kind of, like, I could web things back and forth, so I'm just going to kind of read down. Okay. First question was, where's the mom um, of the two children? No idea. Okay. Couldn't find that out. Because my first thought was... Why does he have custody? Mm-hmm, and crime passion. Right. Because he was so brutally killed, the children's faces were covered, so right. I was like, this is a crime passion, too. someone who knows them. They, but also... If the kids' faces were covered and his were not, his wasn't, means they didn't have an issue with killing him in the face right. or in person, if you right. will. But they felt some guilt over killing the children. Yep, that's a good point. So that's a good point. it's not that they necessarily knew them, but 
felt guilt in their murders. And killing you know babies. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, I put down like overkill. Um, mm-hmm. they were just buying marijuana or yep. just on marijuana. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, you got to be on some heavy shit. I wrote that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote, of course, like, why not just rob? You know, mm-hmm. why do you have to kill? Thank you. Oh my god, we're on the same page. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Stereos aren't that fucking loud, right? I put. Oh god, is it racist? <laughs> no, no, no. It's not racist. It's um, hypnosis, it shitosis, oh. like. <laughs> Not funny, but it's, it's just, what I wrote. We've had too many episodes with hypnosis involved. Ooh, I'm like, I'm glad that's not a thing? thing anymore. It shouldn't be. Is it? No, it can't be. It How can't you... be. Like, if we if we do that's one true. recent that happened in the past five years with hypnosis, I will start calling my congressman and like, like what is our this? our uh, lieutenant governor. What I don't know what the yeah titles of policemen are. But no, yeah, I'll be like, stop doing that because that's not real. No. Um, <laughs> and then I was like. What did I write? In a crime like that, there would have to be evidence. Right. On the tapes, on the pillows. Something. Um, yes, I wrote on the tape too. Mm-hmm, on the like doors. you have all that duct tape on somebody, like There's what? something, a, a hair from your arm, even if you have gloves on, something, a hair from your yeah. arm. So that leads me to believe, I don't know. I, I don't know if we concluded that these guys actually did it or if they maybe were wrongfully convicted or, but I put that they were both nonviolent offenders prior to this. So that would mean crazy drugs, mm-hmm. making them do something like this twice within six days of each other. Um, and then, but then I second guessed myself. I was like, why would their statements be so wonky though, if they mm-hmm. were won- wrongfully committed? Um, then I said, it was at the cops pressure. Um, the signed confessions, mm-hmm. they can be coerced mm-hmm. there, you know? Um, and then I, my last thought was, wait, Keith admitted the guilt like during his last statement. I was exactly. like, well, he kind of admitted guilt. Yeah. So I'm all over the place with this. I, I personally think first and foremost was Shannon. Shannon was the one that I originally found the articles about him okay. and Keith like came along after. So in my experience, which is limited, but you don't you need more than Oh, you owned that gun and oh, you bought some weed from this guy to convict someone. Yeah. Like, like you, you would hope you need so. something more substantial for an arrest warrant. Right. Yeah. So Joseph Jones, who was probably a piece of shit, who, like I said, was ratting out his friends or something. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't like even in, with like the postal worker, like you see people all day. You see cars all day. How your hypnotism, like, I just don't, that doesn't make sense. That should be, that's, that should. This was just a semi-shitty investigation. So, like, yeah. why did Joseph wait two years, first of all, to tell the police about this? Mm-hmm. It just looks all too convenient for me. Yeah. Um, because, like, when he was arrested, he finally had something to say. Mm-hmm. Um, if they found Shannon's gun, did they test it? Right. Did Keith have a gun? Did Roberto have a gun? Did they test anything? Did right. they have an actual murder weapon in yeah. this specific case. So I think, you know, y- you want to like steal some drugs and some money. You just go in, you tie up the guy and take it and leave mm-hmm. because getting further involved, you know, killing to children, and like DNA. right. Fucking you, mutilating someone. Yes. That's so much. That that's such a time. big leap. Yes. So like 
obviously, you know, if you're a drug addict, you don't care or you don't think about that stuff. But I just don't want think you would have the dexterity money. to do all right. that shit. So. And like reports said, like they just went in for weed and coke. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like, like and you weed said. weed and coke are non-violent in. entities. Right. They are non-violent substances. PCP or meth. It doesn't give them that physical urge to maybe right. commit a crime like this. Like Or that out of body, out of right. mind thing. It just You don't even know what you're doing. Yeah. not. Um. But you mentioned the overkill thing and yeah. like the torture and stuff. And yeah. so I feel like that takes a long time. So detain, to detain Roberto, tie him up, wrangle the kids, go forward with the murder and hope that he tells you where, you know, the supposed money is. That could be a lengthy process. You know what and I mean? Did the postman not recall seeing them covered in right. blood? Because you would be covered right. in blood. Yeah. Yeah. And Keith says, I never stepped foot in that house. Then... What did he think was happening inside if it was supposedly Shannon in there the whole time? Like, and one person could not do that by right. themselves because how do you you can't you rein can't in do, one kid and an adult? I mean, at the same we don't time. really know how it happened, but like yeah. theoretically, hypothetically, whatever, it probably wouldn't work out that way. But right. like, you're at a drug dealer's house, your buddy takes a while inside. I would assume you get pissed because you're thinking they're doing drugs without you or you're missing out or whatever. Absolutely. Or you're just a normal human being and you just get concerned that something bad has maybe happened. Mm hmm. Like, did he not hear the four four gunshots? Yeah, yeah. Two in Roberto, one in each kid. So, like, at least the two that hit Roberto because the kids had the pillows. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel like, again, there was, you know, the remorse with the kids and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So, I just, I feel like that situation is not true. Yeah. Which leads me to think that Shannon might be innocent in this whole thing. Yeah. I think that because of Ernest King being a good witness in the whole gas station shooting mm-hmm. and saying that Keith went in and corroborated that Shannon was in the car. I don't know. I feel like Keith could have done both. Yeah. Because Shannon really stuck to what his statements were throughout mm-hmm. the whole time. And Keith was so wishy-washy. You know, he denied it and he got religious and then he admitted to it and blah, blah, blah. Shannon was yeah. like, no. Wasn't me. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like he was almost like covering for his friend at the beginning of like, neither of us were there. It's fine. And then he was like, you know what? We were there. We bought drugs, but he maybe he went back. Yeah. You know, because he never put himself back there at any place, you know, mm-hmm. or any time. But anyway. I would have liked to see a um, kind of a psychiatric evaluation mm-hmm. of Keith to see. Because if you, you, if you have one psychopathic friend, psychopaths are very nice and they mm-hmm. are very... Oh, you'll love this. Yep. He was one of 12 children, grew up in a very religious household. He was a, I think he wanted to play uh, professional basketball when he grew up. He was like a grocery store, like stock clerk or something like that Mm. when he got older. 25 being a grocery store stock clerk. I mean, not that that's bad by any means. No, But I can see how that might have some effect on your self-esteem. Yeah. Whatever. But um, I don't know. Bringing up the stock clerk thing kind of makes me go into the next thing of like both of these crimes were centered around money. Yeah. So did someone have a gambling problem or like big time debts? You know, like if Keith did go back to the Rio's home and take money after Shannon had left, maybe he was already running out of money a couple weeks later and decided to rob the gas station. What did they get from that? If it actually happened, I would like to know. Did because I always like hear about these cases where it's like so brutal and so awful, but they run off with fifty bucks and a pack of cigarettes, you right? Know what I mean? And it's like, really, that's what you needed? No, that you got more out of the murder people. than yeah. 
Yeah. No. And that goes back into what we always end up talking about, how people need, we feel the need to want to say, Mm -hmm. this person had this mental disorder, this person was this, this, this. And sometimes people are just shitty and they really get a rush out of killing someone and out of like, like overkill. That's why I'm like so adamant about D- good defense attorneys and that being an yeah. important part of the process because if that's a you, really good point if you get wrongfully convicted of something or if there is reasonable doubt blah 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 blah. we've talked about this a million times like it's very important if there is only circumstantial evidence and not physical evidence you shouldn't be able to get a conviction and that shouldn't take a brilliant defense attorney no. <laughs> like um I was going to say, in regards to the gas station murder, Keith had mentioned they were on their way to his new apartment, which was, they were driving down a road that was not very much traveled. It was kind of desolate, whatever, isolated. So it's like, it would, to me, it could have been a theory. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. he, I don't know. He knew that it was going to be empty mm-hmm. and thought, well... Marty Lobby. Well. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Better time than never or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. But that's just a theory in my mind because he did live around the area and thought this is no time like the present. I don't know, to like rob something. Yeah. Because if he did the Rio stuff, it would make sense for him to do the gas station stuff mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. But. Just like a fucked up person that like boiled over. They had a motivation. They have a monetary motivation and yeah. they just also very much kind of enjoy like doing that and you know being in control and like because we see like people rob people and murder them all the time because Mm -hmm. they don't want witnesses like that's not so abnormal but the brutality yeah is yeah so that you know you sticking around yeah beating like how long like okay he had to have known again this area is not visited frequently. Yeah. So I have time to let my friend go in there, buy cigarettes, let him walk out, then go in, beat the shit out of this guy and shoot him six times and clear out the register, if not more, mm-hmm. without anyone coming by. Right. So that to me is more than just, oh, last second, I got to do it. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I'm steal he knew, this money. he yeah. staked it out almost, right. like he cased the joint, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cased the joint. <laughs> cased the joint. <laughs> I, I kind of, like, speaking of, I want to know if, like, I know it was 93, but do you think they had camera footage? It was 93. I yeah. wouldn't think there was either, but you never know. Yeah. Or even if there was, like, that was back with VHS tapes were a thing. Like, yeah. I remember when I worked at Blockbuster four years what? ago. You worked at Blockbuster? Yeah, I worked at, like, one of the last Blockbusters in our area. That's Easiest amazing. job ever. I got paid, like, $14 an hour <laughs> to do nothing. No wonder they went under. It was great. Yeah. We had cameras. We had very strict like walkout procedures because there was an instance where people got murdered at a blockbuster because people hid in the ceiling and (gasps) rappelled down. What? This is like Mission Impossible shit. And it was fucking scary. And then there was another instance where someone was ambushed walking out of the store by themselves. And so they were- Again. Oh my God. "Mm -hmm." So they were very strict about our security procedures. But every morning when I went in to open the store, I had to change the VHS tape on the security cameras. That was our point. So (laughs) 
even still, uh, like it's not it, four years ago. So VHS is still legitimate, you guys. Yeah, no, well, Blockbuster really. did go under. <laughs> R.I.P. Never forget. But in '93, like I would imagine VHS tapes. So if you don't have a manager that's like, hey, you got to change the tape, even if there are tapes, it probably was recorded over. It probably, right. you know, like yeah. it's it's true. I feel like if there were cameras back then, they're just not super reliable. Yeah. I also kind of wanted to know, like. We were talking about like the the greed and the money aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, did they ever like did they ever find a bunch of cash at their homes or like was there a big deposit? Yeah, or lavish right spending. Yeah, yeah anything like did they start buying stuff all of a sudden? Like, was there That's any follow up of the cash at all? Yeah, you know, was that ever corroborated? Because it's, it's not like these guys are gonna have like a Swedish bank account. Like that <laughs> that money is gonna be spent. No, it's gonna be how much money can you really get from a small time drug dealer in Baytown in '93? How easy is that to track though in '93? Because I mean, are there debit cards? And credit cards? Yeah, credit cards. Credit cards? Okay. No, bank accounts were still a thing. You still had to go in to deposit cash. Okay. Can't walk around with however much money they got. That's I don't true. know. Because, that I mean, two grand at least from the gas station. That's yeah. not easy to hide. No, it's not. And it's not easy if you're, if you don't have any of it on you, like an overwhelming, like two or three hundred mm-hmm. at least then you would have to have something to show for it. And you can't spend that much in gas. You can't spend that much in food. So there has to be some big purchase or some big deposit yeah. or pay off on a credit card. So you're right. That is something. It's weird. I th- that would be interesting was... to know if it was looked into. I just feel like it's weird because this investigation was so all over the place. And because it's like one guy is saying, no, I didn't do this. And the other guy is saying, yeah, I did. And you have no hard Right. You have no yeah. hard evidence. And how can you pick and choose who did what? Mm-hmm. How can you say, no, he wasn't involved with this because he said he was just a getaway driver and vice versa. And it's like, especially me, since it was no like physical evidence. This crime for this guy and this crime for this right. guy. It's it like, looks too convenient what? to me. Yeah. So you're convicting. I don't know what I feel. You're first of all, robbing the victim of justice in mm-hmm. my mind. And secondly, letting go the actual killer yeah. if this person was wrongfully convicted and then putting to death someone who's totally innocent and has zero chance because they have zero income or means of what the fuck ever to get help it's so unfair oh yeah it's a systematic oppression right. that happens Ooh, every nice. day uh-huh. i said it's so unfair <laughs> systematic <laughs> oppression thank you so much it happens all the time it's unfortunate we hear about it all the time and since- it's terrible and we can drop it i just like no, we because we could talk forever. Oh yeah, I I thought this was gonna be like, oh my god, Christmas Eve murder. This is epic. When it's like, no, this is tragic yeah. because maybe it happened and maybe it didn't. Right. And know? and at the end of the day, four people are dead. Yeah. Anyways, um, that was the Christmas Eve and of murder of the Rios family, and like I said, the New Year's murder of Tom Berges. We haven't done a Baytown one. No, we haven't. Yeah. That was that was, that was refreshing. Because I like I was telling my coworkers, yeah, refreshing murder. I was telling my coworkers, like I always end up picking like a North Texas crime, so maybe you guys I always know stay about in Houston. It. So yeah, it's it's very weird. weird. Yeah, yeah, it's late. It is very late. Yeah, I gotta. God damn it, Randy. Let's so start, we are do. just gonna close this out by thanking you all so much for listening. Yes. We really do hope you enjoyed this episode and the terrible things we talk about. Um, but please, once again, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us. It really makes us feel good. You know, all that fun stuff. And check out our social media for photos on these cases and for the GoFundMe. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
We're going to post April's or Lily's, however you want to put yeah. it. We're going to at least attempt to uh, link her GoFundMe in our Instagram and Facebook page. Absolutely. Correct? And then we have some good photos from both of our cases. And links to our sources, again, will be put in the show notes if you guys want some more information. And we will be back in two weeks, like we said. Mm-hmm. I got it right this time. <laughs> Basically, should I do a dad joke of like, we'll see you next year? Or Please. Oh, my God. I just did. <laughs> Yay. Yay. <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks and next year with uh, <laughs> more Texas true crime. And if anyone's listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. And Merry Christmas. Bye. Happy New Year. Bye. <laughs>